0: Well friends, I'm going to show you two cars up on the screen and uh, I want you to imagine that the uh, first one that I show you is one that you own, okay? Uh, Here it is, an Audi Coupe. Okay, I want you to imagine uh, this brand spanking new Audi, I think it's an RS Coupe, is yours, okay? You own it. Here comes the second car and for this one I want you to imagine that you used to own it, okay? Here's the car that you used to drive around. Okay, now I'm not sure what it was. Uh, It used to work. Its days are gone and now it's completely useless, obviously. But what if someone came up to you, the owner of that beautiful Audi, and they said that you could trade your Audi in, you could do a swap and you could have your old car back. Now who in their right mind would give up on the Audi for the burnt out junk car? To go from something that works perfectly well to something that doesn't work at all. Now, it's this kind of thing that lies at the heart of the letter to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be working our way through the letter over the course of the year. The next six weeks, we're going to make our way up to the end of chapter 6. We're not sure who wrote the letter, but we can tell that it was written to Jewish Christians. And we get that from the very first words in verse 1. Jews who had turned to Jesus as the Christ. And so these Jews had become the true people of God. Because in Christ, of course, they found permanent forgiveness from their sins, a guaranteed eternal life, uninterrupted intimacy with God right now. Jesus is their Audi, so to speak. But these Jewish Christians were being tempted to trade Jesus in and to go back to Judaism. Tempted to swap Jesus for what they had before. The trouble is, what they had before, Judaism, it doesn't work anymore. No one can be among the true people of God by following mere Judaism. Judaism is like the burnt-out old junk car. It doesn't work anymore. So how could they be tempted to swap Jesus for Judaism? It's because following Christ had meant that their lives had become hard. Other Jews who refused to acknowledge Jesus as the Christ were persecuting them. Uh, we read in chapter 10 uh, that the, the Jewish Christians had had their possessions stolen. They'd been subjected to public humiliation. They'd been imprisoned for turning to Christ. And it would all stop if they would just turn back to Judaism, if they just go back to what they used to have with the law and the temple and the priests and the sacrifices to try and be in the people of God the old way. But the writer to the Hebrews wants them to know that those things don't work anymore. The temple, the priests, the sacrifices, they're useless now. In fact, if you do stick with just old covenant Judaism, you can't be one of God's people. And so the writer says, whatever you do, don't go back there stick with jesus because to be the true people of god you have to come through jesus now and so the letter of hebrews is written to show us how jesus is so much greater than anything that's come before particularly anything that's come before in the old testament as it's been written to these jews who've become christians And the first way the author shows us that Jesus surpasses the old covenant is by comparing the way God spoke in the Old Testament through the prophets with how he speaks to us today. The author compares God's word through the prophets to God's word through his son. And his word through his son is so much greater that if you want to know God, you have to come to the son. Because God reveals himself by his word. And in his son, he's given us his final, greatest, most complete word. So if we want to know God, we have to come to the Lord Jesus. So let's have a look. Verse 1. And the writer starts with a description of God's word through his prophets in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers. That's the Jews of the Old Testament. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So it's pretty simple. Long ago, the writer is saying God spoke through the prophets. You know, prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Moses and Amos and Zephaniah. And he spoke it many times and in many ways. Like the time he spoke to Moses through the burning bush. Or through the fire and smoke on Mount Sinai. Or through the donkey to Balaam. Probably means he can talk through me as well. Uh, In dreams to Joseph. Through writing on a wall in Daniel's time. Through angels. So many times. So many ways. The Old Testament is a catalogue. Of God speaking. God gradually revealing more and more of who he is. And we're very familiar with this idea, aren't we? But just pause with me. Think about what we're saying. God spoke. The maker and owner of all things. The all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful one. The only one who can unlock the secrets of life because he himself started everything. God spoke at many times and in various ways. I mean, even if he just spoke once, that would be enough. To hear God's mind just once would be extraordinary. But he's spoken at many times and in various ways, and we know what he said. And as extraordinary as this is, and it is extraordinary, God's word through the prophets was only ever piecemeal. The prophets only ever gave bits of the puzzle. The full picture of what God was saying about Himself wasn't given to them. It's like being given some pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. So, you know, you lay out the pieces you've been given, you start putting them all together, but it's obvious that this piece is missing. What you have gives an outline of what the puzzle will look like but the crucial pieces which make sense of the whole thing they've been left out that's God's word through his prophets they're real pieces of the puzzle they're real words from God but they're waiting for a future word from God which would make sense of them and the prophets themselves knew this they spoke of a time where all would be revealed that at the end of the ages, in the last days, God would bring everything out in the open. He would reveal himself fully. The prophets knew that a time was coming when the fullness of God would be revealed and that time has come because in the past God spoke through his prophets but in these last days God spoken his greatest word by his son. Verse 1 again. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. We're in the last days, right now, the end times. There is no next era of history. There is no next stage to come. There's no new word to hear from God. The jigsaw puzzle's been finished All the pieces have been given and God's laid them out exactly where they're meant to go. We can see the whole picture. God has made himself known most clearly because God has spoken his greatest word, his final word by his son. And to demonstrate this, what the writer does from verse 2 is show us just how much greater the son is than the prophet's. He gives us five things about Jesus to show us that the son is so much better placed to reveal who God is. And he does this to convince us that God's word by his son is so much greater than his word through his prophets. So that when we want to know God, we'll come to his word by his son. So let's have a look at the first of the uh, author's five dazzling truths about God's son. Each one is majestic enough in its own right, but when you combine them together, Jesus becomes like the sun in the sky. He becomes too bright to look at. Impossible to take him all in, but we're going to take a peek anyway. So the first thing we're told about the sun to show us how much greater he is than the prophets is that he is the heir of all things, that everything was made for him. Verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed heir of all things. Everything was made for Jesus. It's all for him. It's his inheritance. God has appointed him to be the heir of all things. Now when someone dies, you know, there's an inheritance to be sorted out. Who gets what from the estate? Uh, Sadly, there can be families where this creates heated argument. Hopefully this hasn't happened for you. You know, about who should get what, because wasn't that promised to me. And what's he going to do with that anyway? He's never going to use it. Well, there's no bickering or argument about who's going to receive God's inheritance. Not that God's going to die, but he has an estate. It's all creation. The entire universe and everything else. And there's only one name on God's list about who gets it all. It all goes to his son. God's appointed him to be the heir of all things. Everything was made for him. Not for the prophets, for the Son. But not just made for him, it was also all made by him. Verse 2 But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Through the Son, all things were made. The Son is the creator of the universe. Nothing was made without him. Through him, all things were made. Now, I thought it was God that made the universe. You know, I thought God was the creator who owned his creation. But here it's the Son that's the creator who owns creation. Now, how can that be? Because the Son is God. God. He's the God of all things. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. So verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If you've seen the sun, you've seen God. He's the radiance of God's glory. A little bit like sunlight from the sun. The sun, is it sunlight? I mean, where does the sun stop and the sunlight begin? You know, sunlight is the sun radiated out from itself. Well, God the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God's being. Elsewhere, Jesus is described as the image of the invisible God. Now, that's a weird thing to say, isn't it? How can you have an image of something that's invisible? But Jesus is the image of God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Now, throughout the scriptures, God's people are told not to make idols. You know, we're not to make images of God. Because as soon as we do, we'll misrepresent God. You make an idol or an image, it can't speak. It's lifeless. It's powerless. It can't hear. It can't act. It can't respond. It can't initiate. An image will always be a distortion of God. So whatever you do, don't make an image of God. But Jesus is the image of God. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. The son is the God of all things, the creator who owns creation. Can you see what this means for our thinking about God speaking by his son? For God to speak by his son, he can't be more personal. He can't be more upfront he can't reveal any more of himself than what he has said by his son. For when God speaks by his son, he speaks for himself. You can't get a clearer word from God about himself than what he has said by his son. And not only is the son, of, is the, son the God of all things, who made all things, and is the heir of all things, it's also that by his powerful word, he sustains all things. So verse 3 again... The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, why is it that your heart is still beating? Why doesn't the roof fall on our heads? Why did your car not blow up on the way to church this morning? Why didn't Australia sink into the ocean overnight? Why does the earth keep revolving really nicely around the sun instead of spinning off into some other galaxy? Why does the universe not collapse in on itself? Because of the sun, S-O-N, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. It's the word of the sun, not the word of the prophets, the word of the sun that sustains the universe, this universe that the Son himself made, that the Son himself owns. And the last thing we're told about the Son in these verses is that he has authority over all things, which isn't very surprising given what we've already read. Uh, He is seated at the right hand of God the Father, ruling over everything. So halfway through verse 3, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs now we 're going to get to the angels next week, so make sure you come back. but in verse three, the beginning there, halfway through it, sorry, after his death and resurrection, after he 's provided purification for sins after removing the barrier between us and God so that we can now know God, after dealing with sin, the Son returned to the Father to sit down at his right hand, having authority over all things. To try and summarise what we're being told about the Son, the Lord Jesus in these verses, it's that the Son is the greatest one of all. And so God's word by his Son is his clearest word of all. It's true that in the past God spoke through the prophets, and so the truths that were given in the Old Testament are true, they are real, and so we should be reading our Old Testaments, and if you haven't started, make sure you do. But we will only rightly understand what we read in the Old Testament in the light of what God has said by his Son. It's like comparing moonlight to sunlight. So when you go to some place for the very first time, you know, never been there before, imagine that you arrive at dark, it's night time. You've never been there before, you go out in the dark and all you've got is the moonlight and you'll see stuff, won't you? You know, let's say you're walking amongst some trees and the trees you're looking at, they're real, you know, they're a bit hard to see but they're true, hard to make out exactly what type of trees you're walking among and there's a lot of details you're going to miss, you're not going to see all the patterns on the bark, you won't see all the insects crawling all over them, you'll get the general idea but it's not clear. However come morning time with bright sunshine bathing the countryside and everything becomes crystal clear. God speaking through his prophets to reveal who he is, what he said, it was true, it was real, but it's like looking in the moonlight. Whereas with God's word by his son, it's like God has brought himself out into the sunlight, there for all to see and to understand and appreciate God in all his goodness and his splendor. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And given who the son is, this isn't just any revelation from God. The son is God's perfect revelation of himself. God's ultimate statement about himself in the son. God has revealed himself finally and fully because the Son is God, the maker, owner, sustainer, and ruler of all things. For God to speak by his Son, he can't be more personal. He can't reveal any more of himself than what he has said by his Son. So if you want to know God, you have to come to Jesus. If you want to know God, his heart, his mind, If you want to know his desires and his will, if you want to know what God thinks of you and what you're doing with your life, if you want to know what God's got in store, what his plans and purposes are, if you want to know what pleases God and why it pleases him, if you want to know what infuriates God and why it makes him angry, if you want to know what's precious to God and what he treasures above all else, if you want to know what makes God tick, if you want to know God, Then you have to come to Jesus, because in these last days, God has spoken by his son. This isn't a word that you can improve on or get a better, more up to date version of God. God can't reveal any more of who he is than what he has already spoken by his son, because he is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being, the heir of all things, the creator and owner of all creation. When God spoke by his son, he spoke as himself, for himself. If God could reveal more of who he is, then there is someone more glorious than Jesus, more glorious than God himself to come. In the son, it's not as if God has held back on us and there's more to come. No, in the Son, God is given of his very self. In the Son, we have God's clearest and fullest revelation of himself. This is why we reject Islam and its claim to have another, more complete revelation of God through Muhammad. It's why we reject Mormonism and the claim by Joseph Smith to have a further revelation from God, because how could God have more to say? And this is why we're not looking for future revelations from God. We're not looking for a still, small voice from God. We're not trying to interpret our dreams. We're not leaving silence in our time of prayer, waiting for God to speak to us, because God's already spoken. And it's a bit of an insult, really, to him to think that he'd have something more to say, that when he spoke by his very son, that wasn't enough. We need more from him than his son, That in the Lord Jesus, God was somehow holding back on us? Friends, this is why we are so excited about owning and reading and understanding our Bibles. Because in it, we've been given God's full and complete revelation of himself. We have his word by his son. We'll think more about the place of the scriptures next week. But for now walk away from here appreciating the majesty of Jesus, God's Son, and that in him God has spoken. Jesus is where God shows himself, where he reveals himself most fully and most clearly, where he speaks to us. And so in the Son, we know God. We know him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have spoken by your Son. Thank you that in your word we have your clearest and fullest revelation of yourself. And Father, we pray that we would treasure and prize your Son, the Lord Jesus, far and above anything or anyone else. Father, thank you that in him you come to us. And you have spoken to us and you bring us to yourself that we might know you and be known by you through your son. And Father, we pray that we would always value your son, our Lord Jesus, today and all days. In his name we pray. Amen.